Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. If you have a Bible with you this morning, or if you have your iPad, your phone, why don't you go ahead and get that out? And we're going to go to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is in the New Testament, and we've been preaching out of this book for the last, now will be four weeks today. And uh, really, we've actually not been even looking at the whole book. We've been looking at one verse out of this incredible book that Paul wrote, uh, man, a long time ago to the church in Ephesus. The easiest way, if you're like me, I get lost uh, in Scripture sometimes. I can't remember where a book of the Bible is. The easiest way to get there is go to the very front of your Bible, go to the table of contents, go to the New Testament section, find the book of Ephesians, look at the page number, flip to that page. If you have an iPad... Or if you have a phone, just point, click, point, click, point, click, and you'll be there in seconds. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we've been in a series entitled The Masterpiece. And we've been looking at this thought that God has an incredible plan for your life. Now, how many of you guys believe that God has an incredible plan for your life? Okay. Some of you believe that. Some of you are new to this spiritual journey, new to faith, and you're still learning that. Man, I've I've been a Christian now since the age of six. I've been doing my best to serve Jesus Christ for the last 34 years, and I am still very much in process. Just when I think that my life looks like a masterpiece, man, God comes along and adds a new brush stroke and changes some things up on me, and I'm like, ah, I look prettier now than I did yesterday. Come on, somebody. God has an incredible plan for your life. He has this thing that, that we're calling in this series a masterpiece, a beautiful painting, a beautiful picture. And, uh, and in week one, we talked about uh, who we really are. Uh, we talked about that we are the masterpiece, but in understanding that, we understand this, that we're not the beautiful picture. We're just simply the canvas. We're just simply the backdrop in which Christ comes and paints a beautiful picture, and now his story gets told on the canvas of our life. It's a pretty incredible plan. Uh, A couple weeks back, we talked about the second part of this verse, which we're going to look at in just a minute, that Christ had to come and create us anew. And why did Christ have to come and create us anew? He had to come and create us anew. Uh, All this beautiful canvas Although we have this beautiful, uh, you know, thing to be painted on, sometimes we take the brush into our hands, and I'm going to need a different mic because this one's cutting out. Could you grab me that one? Technical difficulty. See, guys, I told you we need our own building. Five of us believe that. We have this beautiful painting this, or this beautiful canvas, and sometimes, man, uh, we take the brush into our own hands. And as we take the brush into our own hands, we begin to create these strokes that we think, man, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be really good. And all of a sudden, it looks like this, right? Now, I know there's some of you out there, once again, that you look at that and you're like, man, that is awesome, man. That is like eclectic. I love that kind of artwork. But really what this is is just a bunch of scribblings done by a two-year-old. And, uh, and sometimes that's what our life looks like. Because of sin, because of choices that we have made that are outside the context uh, of what God wants for our life and outside of the context of Scripture. The other thing that happens in our life sometimes is this thing called emotional scars, and we talked about that. That that is stuff that happens to us that comes from the outside that we have absolutely no control over. That might be a divorce in the family. It might be a sickness or a disease that took somebody away. 
it's something tragic happens, and it begins to jack up the picture. So Christ came to create us anew. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for that. He came and he created us anew, so then he could begin to paint this beautiful picture. Last week we talked about how Christ does that work, that he extends an invitation, divine sovereignty, and it is our job to accept or respond to that invitation through human responsibility. Well, today I want to talk to you about the last part of this verse, the great part, that he has great and awesome plans for you and I. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. As we conclude our service today, our series today, I believe God's got something incredible for you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, says, for we are God's masterpiece. Now, if you're new to Canvas, again, one thing you're going to understand is that I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a speaker or a preacher that likes to have people talk back to them, okay? So I want you to say this. I want you to say, I am. That wasn't everybody. Say, I am God's masterpiece. Doesn't that feel good? I am. We are God's masterpiece. He, Jesus, has created us anew. We've been created anew in Christ Jesus. Look at the last part now. Here's the part we've been working towards, and this is one of the parts we love. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That you and I can do the awesome plan that God has for each and every one of us. We want to do those things, but there's a process of understanding that we're the canvas. There's a process of understanding that Christ had to do this incredible work, and now we get to this place and say, wow, what are those good things he planned for us long ago? The word things in Ephesians 2, verse 10, literally means works. Now, if I could just give you something here as we get into the, the scriptures today. This is the Greek word, and it's this word, ergon. And ergon literally means plans. And in context, when this word ergon is used in Scripture, it's used in one of three ways, and here they are. It's used either to tell of the works of God, to tell of the works of Christ, or to tell of the works of man in relationship to the works of God and the works of Christ. So when it says so that you can begin to do the good things he planned for you, in other words, it's saying this, you could do the good works or the good plans that he plans for you. It's literally talking about his works. It's talking about the work that God has done. It's talking about the work that Christ has done. So that we can begin to do the works of God and the works of Christ that he had planned for us long ago. This is pretty awesome, okay? And so here we are with this question now, then what are the works of of Christ. What are the works of God? The Bible says this, that greater works than what Jesus did, you and I will do. Now that's pretty incredible. Now if you're anything like me, when I first heard that verse, I begin to think about all the miracles that Jesus did. Anybody ever read the New Testament before and you come across, man, Jesus did some insane things, right? Like the, the Bible talks about how Jesus opened up some blind eyes. And the cool thing about Jesus is he did it in creative ways. I mean, there are some cool stories about how Jesus encounters this blind guy, and, and, he, and he checks him out, and you know what he does? He spits in the dirt, creates some mud, and then he rubs it in the dude's eyes. Now, I don't necessarily suggest that you go and try that, okay? But pretty incredible story. I mean, some pretty awesome, awesome things happening. There, there are times when Jesus actually raised people from the dead. What? He raised people. That's pretty incredible. 
And so when I read the good plans and the good works and knowing that greater works we're going to do, those are the first things I begin to think about. Man, I'm going I'm to find somebody and, man, their, their eyes are going to be opened up. I'm going to find somebody in a wheelchair and, man, they're going to rise up out of that wheelchair. Anybody else thought about this before or is this just me? Okay. Okay, I'm talking to myself. All right. I've thought about these things, the wonderful plans. But as we begin to identify in Scripture the greatest work that Jesus Christ came to do, according to Luke 19.10, is he came to seek and save the lost. Think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. Wow, that's incredible. All of the other good works and great things we read about in Scripture, they are secondary to the primary work that Christ came to do. And that primary work that he came to do was to find those that, that do not have a relationship with him, to show him how awesome he is and the love that he has for him. And through that love, they come into this amazing relationship. That is the greatest work. So when the Bible says greater works we will do, it's literally talking about that work of repentance, that work of salvation, that if we allow his glory to shine through us, man, it begins to happen in our communities and in our cities. I want to talk to you today about this last part of being the masterpiece. How can our life paint a better picture when it comes to the works, when it comes to doing the good things he has planned for us long ago? Because when Christ has taken you from this to this to this, man, he wants you to be hanging, come on, somewhere visible with a light shining on it. Anybody ever been to an, an art gallery before? They do not just hang their art on work. They affix a little light, psh, and the light shines on that so people can see its intricacy. They can see the depth of creativity that went into it, and they can look at it and say, wow, somebody incredible did that. And this is what Jesus wants from us. He wants the incredible work that he has done in your life to be on display. We're going to talk about today. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would teach us from your word, that, God, we would learn something today about you and about the incredible plans that you have for our life, the good works of displaying your amazing glory to humanity. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. About nine months ago, uh, my wife and I moved to a new house. And uh, it's, it's up north about 20 or so minutes, and it's a house that we had actually dreamt about living in for a long time. And the opportunity opened up to us, and, and we seized the opportunity, moved into this new house. And if you're coming to the Welcome to Church party tonight, man, we'd love to celebrate with you there. But when we moved into this new house, uh, my daughters, uh, now this is the first time I've ever lived with them in a two-story house. And so all the bedrooms are upstairs, and they're like, Dad, you know, I, you know, the rooms, they're okay, they're big, we get our own, but, but we just don't like them the way they are. They're just plain, they're blah, there's no dazzle to them. I got girls, all right? And I was like, okay, don't worry about it, I'm going to take care of it, all right? I'm, I'm going I'm to give you a room that wows you, okay? Just, just, but Dad, what's it going to, nope, nope, you just sit back, you let me as your dad take care of it, and I'm going to create this beautiful, beautiful room for you. And so for several weeks, I'd been planning this room and designing the, their rooms. And uh, my oldest daughter, she loves to surf. They both love to surf now. My oldest daughter, she's totally into surf, and so I designed a surf room for her. My youngest daughter, man, she's into Narnia, 
Anybody ever seen the Chronicles of Narnia before? She loves Narnia. She loves everything about it. She loves Aslan. She loves Lucy. She loves Peter. She loves the little creature. She knows them all by name. I don't. She loves Narnia. So my wife and I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to create a Narnia-themed room for her. And, and so we went and we went shopping for a lion's head. Now listen, okay, I did not go and buy a real lion's head, okay? All right, now some of you are like, whoa, you put a, no, it's, 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 a, it's a stone lion head, okay? We went and found the stone lion head, and man, we went and we found a lamp post. Have you ever seen the Chronicles of Narnia? And, and we went and we, we found these little, these little letters to spell out Narnia. And if you know what I'm talking about, her walk-in closet is called the spare oom. Yeah, pretty creative, right? And we, we just decked it out, man. And she was so just like, oh, my gosh, what's it going to look like? I can't wait to see it. What is my dad doing for me? It's going to be incredible. And we painted it pink. And you're like, oh, there's no pink in Narnia. Well, it's a girl's room, okay? And then we decked this thing out. I got her a, a stone table desk. This thing's awesome. Pictures of Narnia hanging everywhere. I remember the day of the reveal. She's so excited. She can ho barely hold on. And, and we blindfold her and we bring her in. And Kara's got the video camera and she's videotaping. And we bring her into the room and we rip the blindfold off. And she opens up. She's just like, ah. Yeah, this is awesome. And she literally walks around for about 20 minutes checking out all the detail and looking at what we had created. And all of a sudden she comes over to me and she goes, Dad, can, can, can I invite some friends over? Well, baby, why, why do you want to invite some friends over? And she says, because, Dad, I want to show them the incredible room that you created for me. She said, Dad, I, I, don't, I don't want to just be here. I want to show it off so that they see what my dad has done in my room. Ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly the way God wants us to live our life. He has done such an incredible work in you and I. He has transformed something from the inside out, which once was blah, which once was jacked up. Yeah, I know it's been a process, but he took you through that process, and he has created a beautiful, beautiful painting, a masterpiece, if you will, and he wants that masterpiece on display for his glory, not just for you to hang out and look at, but for you to say, man, my friends need to see what my daddy has done in my life. That's the way he wants us to live, to do the amazing plans, the amazing works. Look what my daddy did. I was jacked up. I looked like I had been painted over by a two-year-old. Come on, somebody. But my daddy stepped in and said, I got something for you. And he painted a beautiful masterpiece on the canvas of my life. And I don't know about you, but that gets me pretty jacked up. I want somebody else to see what my daddy has done in my life. We see this thought play out in Matthew. The book of Matthew also in the New Testament. And just so you know, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. You can jot them down and you don't know where they're at, that's okay. Half the time, I don't know either. But you can go back and find them. And in the book of, of, of Matthew, chapter 5, starting in verse 13, it says this. It says, you are, it's talking about us. You are the salt of the earth. It's painting the same picture. You're a masterpiece. You're the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it, its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, 
but on a stand, and it gives light. That's light. To all in the house. And check this out. In the same way, let your light shine before others. In the same way, let your masterpiece, the work that Christ has done in your life, be on display. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Check this out now. Why? There's a purpose to it. God has a plan to it so that others will see the good works, your good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. My word. He has done a work in your life. He took a jacked up piece of artwork and he says, I'm going to create you anew so that I can begin to paint a beautiful masterpiece so that you can do the good things that he planned for you long ago. What are those good things? To let it be hanging on a wall so when others walk by they say, wow. And as it shines before people, they don't glorify you. It's not about you. They don't glorify the church you attend. It's not about the church you attend. They glorify your Father who is in heaven. So let your light shine. So let your canvas hang so people can see it. When I was growing up, we used to sing a song. Maybe you've heard it before, maybe not. My beautiful voice will be the first to introduce you to it. And it goes like this. This little light of mine. You feeling that? Some of you heard that song before. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. Becca, I'm trying out for the worship team right now. Take notes. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. So some of you heard it before, right? Hide it under a... Some of you heard it. Some of you are like, what in the world is that song? It's old. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a, nope, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. So let your light shine. This is what God intends for our life. Listen, there are so many of you sitting here today with incredible testimonies about the power of Christ and what he has done in your life. There are so many of you that have gone from, from this to this to that. And listen to me, if you're here today and you still feel like this, you're in the right place. And maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I don't look, I'm kind of like, I'm, I think I'm that one. You're in the right place. And there are some of you here today, though, that you have a beautiful, beautiful picture, a story to tell. But here is the problem uh, that, that I had when I went through this transformation on Sunday morning. Man, I had no problem with letting the masterpiece be seen. But on, on Monday when I went to work, I went to work as the masterpiece, but I went to work like this. Same canvas. The picture's there. But you know what? When that canvas is turned around, it doesn't look much different than that canvas. Or, 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 or this canvas. Christ has done an incredible work in our life. And the only thing he wants from you is for it to be on display. Oh, man, when we come to church, we're like, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Come on, Becca, sing it again, you know. And we have no matter of fact, we lift it up. And it's beaming all over the place. And people are like, oh, look at, oh, yeah, wow. But then we, we go to work on Monday. 
go to school on Monday, go back to our neighborhood, and it's like, whoa, wow, that's cool. But Christ has done an incredible work. And all he's asking is like, hey, would you let it be on, on display? That's all you have to do. So you're the same canvas walking into work either way. But why not let his masterpiece be seen? Why not let his glory be seen? Why not let the beautiful picture he's created for you be seen? Why? Because he took this, transformed it into this, so you could become that. And the whole purpose is that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Wow. Because he took you and he painted this beautiful story, this beautiful thing, so that it could tell of his glory. So that when people that are jacked up like this see that, they say, wow, something's not lining up. And they see the work that he's done and they go from this to that to that so then they can join you in the journey of telling a story about his amazing work that he does in our life. And if I can real quickly, I want to take you to Mark chapter 2 as we come to a close today. And I want to, I want to show you some things out of Mark chapter 2 that I believe will help us paint a better picture with our life. Really, Mark chapter 2, the beginning of it, tells this story in an amazing way. What happens when God's masterpiece are on display? Mark chapter 2 in the New Testament, right after the book of Matthew. I'm going to read you several verses. We're going to bring this thing to a close. And I believe that when you walk out of here, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be edified and built up. But some of you are going to be challenged to ask yourself this question. How am I going to work? How am I going to school? Am I going like this or am I going like that? But out of Mark chapter 2, we're going to see what happens when we go as the masterpiece. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And it reads, and when he, this is Jesus, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, which was the center really of all of his ministry, when he had returned there after some days, it was reported that he was at home. People found out, man, Jesus is at home. And many people were gathered together to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, to be near Jesus. So that there was no more room, not even at the door. This place was packed. And he was preaching the word to them. Verse 3, and they came. Bringing to him a paralytic. Who's the they? It is four guys. Four men carrying maybe a mat or a, a stretcher of sorts or a blanket with somebody lying in it. These four guys, they're walking and they're carrying this guy that cannot walk. He's paralyzed, which literally means to be brought to a place of stoppage or inability to act. And as we're reading this story, this is a very natural thing that is happening in the story, this person cannot walk, and so these four guys are carrying this man to Jesus. But as we teach it today, listen, you might not know some guy that is naturally paralyzed, but you know many people that have been brought to a place of stoppage or inability to act because of some emotional scars, because of some sin in their life, and they've been unable 
to move forward in their spiritual journey. They've been unable to maybe access Jesus Christ. And yet it's going to take someone like it took this man, four people, to get them before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when they could not get near him, because the crowd, who's the him? It's Jesus. When they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lie. And when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw the faith of the four men, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now this story is amazing because before he even heals the paralyzed guy, before he even tells him to get up and walk, he does the greatest work that he does and he saves him from his sins. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that this, this question within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sons are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the story gets amazing. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Every time God does a miracle in the Bible, it is to bring attention to himself, Jesus, so that he can save lives. Check the last verse out. And he, the paralytic man, rose and immediately picked up his mat, picked up his bed, and went out before them all. He went on display so that they were all amazed. And glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Because in a fraction of a moment, he went from this to that to that. And he got up, and he immediately went on display. And people glorified God. A couple of things I see in this passage that I believe if we begin to do, our life will paint a better picture. And, man, we can go on display so that God is glorified. The first thing I see in this passage is this. These four guys, they keep Jesus at the focal point of their life. These four guys keep Jesus at the focal point of their life. So much was Jesus the focal point of their life that they went and they got a paralyzed guy and their thought was this, this man's been paralyzed for a while, but if we could get him to Jesus, man, if we could just get him there, then something supernatural is going to happen. He was the focal point, not them. You and I are never meant to be the focal point of the story. We're just the canvas in which God comes and paints the amazing story on. And they kept Jesus at the focal point. And when we keep Jesus at the focal point, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. It helps out in so many ways. Because listen to me, our opinion is nothing. But the word of God is everything. And if we can keep Christ at the focal point, man, some beautiful pictures are going to take place. I love what Hebrews 12 says. Hebrews 12, verse 2, says that we're to look unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Where? Jesus, the focal point. These guys were so focused on Jesus that even when they got to the house 
a crowd wasn't going to stop him from getting the man to Jesus. They didn't take him to a gathering and drop him off. They got to the gathering and said, man, this isn't, this isn't what we're here for. We're here to meet with Jesus. And they got the man to Jesus, and man, something amazing takes place. The next thing I see in this passage is simply this, is that there were four of them. Which tells me this, that we need to hang out with other people that have the same vision and passion that we do. Listen to me. This journey that you're on, Christ didn't intend for you to walk it alone. And when I say journey, I don't even just mean this spiritual journey. I mean this journey on earth. God never intended for you to walk it alone. That's what's so powerful about a church body. When people come together like we are right now, we look around and we realize, wow, man, there's some other people in here that have the same vision and passion that I do. And, and they're, they're passionate about Christ. And they're passionate about the work that he does in our life. And it is so important to have people walking that journey with you. That might be a small group. We have some incredible small groups here at Canvas Church. If you have not yet plugged into one, man, you should plug into one. Why? Because there you're going to find some other people that have the same focus, the same passion, and the same drive that you do. We have a dance one. I saw it posted, on, I saw it posted the other day on Facebook. There were, like, there were like a ton of people there, and they were dancing. I'm like, that ain't for me. Although I could probably take some serious lessons because here's, here's my only dance move. No, that's not my only one. That's not, I, I learned from Hitch, all right, right? Elbows at 90 degrees right here. That's me slow dancing with my wife. Here's me when I'm tearing it up. My dance moves right there. Okay, somebody take notes on that right now. I could probably learn a lot from it, but that's not for me. There's other ones that have a, a businessmen's gathering on, on Tuesday night, and they come together and they talk about Scripture and what, what God's doing in their life through their business. There's, single, there's singles ones. There's young adult ones. There's a marriage one. There's youth ones. We have, and, and you get plugged in, and all of a sudden you find that, wow, there are other people that, that have the same, the same issues that I have, that are going through the same struggles that I'm going, going through. And this is one thing I've learned. It doesn't matter if you're struggling as long as you're struggling towards the cross. You find some people, look, th this story is incredible to me because to get four guys to agree upon anything other than football and food, come on, somebody, is a miracle in and of itself. These guys said, hey, let's work together and let's get this dude. And they worked together because they had the same focal point, Jesus, but they also had the same passion and the same drive to help this individual out. The third thing I see in this story is this, and if you can put these things together, I believe our life will begin to paint a better picture of the works that he's doing for us. The third thing I see here is this, is they had compassion. We must have compassion on people. We must see people in the state that they are in, wherever they're at in their spiritual journey, whatever, whatever problems they're going for. We talked about it last week. Listen, at Canvas Church, our goal is to create a place of love, of his grace, and of acceptance. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what process in the journey you're in, you can come here and you can sit and you can worship and you can, you can say, wow, man, this place is open. It's friendly. It, doesn't, it, does, it, it, it receives me even in the midst of the struggles that I'm going through. Why do we want to do that? Because that's what Jesus did. And we have compassion on people. And I love this thought of compassion. And every time I read this part of the story, I always have the exact same thought. These guys had so much compassion on him that they, they each probably took a corner and they carried him. 
And when they got there, they had to find a way to get him to Jesus. And the only way they discovered was to get up on a roof. I don't know how tall the roof was, but they had to get up on this roof. And that wasn't enough. They, they ripped open the roof. And then once they ripped open the roof, and this is the part that gets me every time. The Bible says they lowered him down on his bed. And now for me, when I read scripture, I have many questions. And one of the questions I always ask myself when I get to this part in the story, I ask myself, why did they lower him down on his bed? The dude's paralyzed. Roll him off. <laughs> He's paralyzed. He ain't going to feel it. Just protect the head, protect the head. Okay, we're good. He's in front of Jesus. We did our job. I know you're looking at your pastor like, you crazy. I ain't ever coming to you with nothing. You're going to throw me out of a window or something. It tells me that they had compassion. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it's not just about getting people to Jesus. It's about how we get them to Jesus. It's not just about, hey, you need. No, it's about the love. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13, that these three things remain right now on the earth in the spiritual journey. It's faith hope, and love. But the greatest of all of those is love. And when people see that we love and we care about them, man, we are showing compassion, and we're, we're not just interested in getting them to Jesus, but we're interested in the journey and the process in which takes them to Jesus. Man, hearts begin to open up and lives begin to get transformed. These guys had compassion, and somehow that compassion caused them to rig up a system to lower this man down from where he was to get to Jesus. Creative. But we got to figure it out because it's about compassion. And the last thing and probably the crux of the whole story, the last thing I see in this passage is this, is these guys were full of faith. These guys were full of faith. Why? Probably because they had Jesus at the focal point. Why? Probably because they weren't walking this journey alone. They had someone to encourage them when they felt like they were down. Probably because they kept love in the journey and compassion. These guys were full of faith. So much faith that when they got to the house where Jesus was, they looked at the crowd and they said, hold on a second. We're not going to allow a crowd to stop us from getting this guy to Jesus. So they began to design a plan. This faith drove them to design a plan. That we we got to get him in. How are we going to do it? Let's climb up on the roof. They got up on the roof, but that wasn't enough. They had so much faith that they tore the roof open. Mind you, this is not their home. And they rip the roof off because they got so much faith that if they can just get the man to Jesus, he's going to be made well. And he's so full of faith that they, that, that they take him and they get him to Jesus. And I love what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus looks up and sees their faith. Jesus looks up and sees four masterpieces on display. And he looks up and he sees the work that he had done in their life. And he says, wow, I done good. I created something beautiful with those four people. And the Bible says he looks up and he sees their faith. And now he looks at the man and says, son, because of their faith, because they were living life on display, display your sins are forgiven you. I don't know about you, but to me that's powerful. The Bible doesn't say he looked up and saw the paralytic say, oh, he had enough faith to get. No, he couldn't get there. And there are people that you work with every day 
There are people that live in your neighborhood. There are people that are in your family that have been brought to a place of stoppage or inability to act for themselves. And all Christ wants you to do is allow the work that he's done on your life to be on display so he can look at you and say, wow, son, daughter, because of your faith, I'm going to do a work in their life because of their faith. Because it's about his story on the canvas of our life. And listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, I know going to work like this is sometimes difficult. And going to work, man, it's just so much easier. Nobody asks questions. Nobody says nothing. There is nothing there to critique. It's a blank canvas. There's nothing there to look at. Can I be honest with you? The hardest thing sometimes in this spiritual journey just to hang out on a wall with a light shining on you. Because when you go to the art gallery and all these masterpieces are on display, people sit and they look and they critique and they ask questions and they wonder what was up with that and what was up with this. And sometimes... Man, the hardest thing to do is just to have enough faith to say, you know what? I know you're critiquing me. I know you're judging me. I know you got lots of questions and you don't fully understand it. Neither did I. But if I hang out long enough, man, you're going to see something supernatural. You're going to see Christ in the painting. You're going to see Christ in the picture. If I just have enough faith to hang out there, man, maybe, man, my masterpiece will tell a story of God's glory so that those that are judging and looking and critiquing can go from their jacked up life to the same painting that you and I have become because of their faith, because they stuck it out, because the easiest thing to do when they showed up at the house would have been to run. The easiest thing would have been to drop them off at the door, tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, when this thing clears out, can you take him in? But they had so much faith to hang around and say, we're going to figure this thing out. Yeah, I know, man. Climbing up on the roof, people are probably yelling, hey, what are you doing? I know when we started to tear off that roof, people, hey, that's, that's, that's my house. What are you doing? But when Jesus looked up and saw his glory in those four people, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And the greatest thing you and I could do is to go to other people and say, hey, look what my daddy did for me. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is absolutely incredible. Do me a favor, if you would, if you wouldn't mind just in the, in the, in the closing moments of this service, and thank you so much for being here. I know that if you're new, you might be thinking, man, this guy's a little too excited. But I got to be honest with you. I know what my life used to look like. I know what my, what, what my life still looks like. And I know that although my, 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 my painting is on display, there's still some work, some deep work he's doing in me. But I get so excited when I think about what my heavenly father, my daddy's done for me. That I just want you to share in that same excitement, that same joy. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.